Hi, hello, bonjour, and namaste. This is Out of the Clouds, a podcast at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. And I'm your host, Anne Mulitaler. So a few weeks ago, just as I came back from my summer break, I realized I had the energy levels of a slug, essentially. (laughs) As you can imagine, it was mildly concerning. And I figured that maybe a little extra fresh air and maybe some iron tablets would sort me out. So I took myself to a retreat in the mountains. It was really wonderful and I was surrounded by nature. Indeed, I, I did feel better after a few days. And so while I was there, I reconnected with something that I used to love as a kid. And that is swimming and the joy of being in water. And so weirdly, my experience turned into a peak experience. And that's the subject of of today's podcast. So it's a reflection that started actually as I was swimming, as I was in the pool. It's a reflection on that meh, (laughs) that meh feeling, finding meaning and joy in the small things, and maybe even finding flow. I hope you will enjoy it and that perhaps it will be an invitation for you to pick up something that you used to love doing as a kid. If that's the case, then drop me a line and let me know. And in the meantime, enjoy. Quote, Those who flow as life flows know they need no other force. Lao Tzu. I was lucky to take a couple of long swims last week. And I kid you not, mid-stroke, breaststroke that is, lots of wonderful story ideas surfaced in my mind. And the more I looked at the reflection of the sun's rays at the bottom of the pool, the more I was pulled back to this particular story. So when I was little, maybe nine or 10 years old, my family would regularly take road trips, mostly to France, um, to visit my great-grandmother who lived in Cannes. It was wonderful to have an excuse to go to the Côte d'Azur. And Mamé, as she was nicknamed, was as glamorous in her 70s and 80s as her city, Cannes that is, (laughs) is when the film festival is on. Her makeup routine remained stuck in the 60s, um, but I never stopped admiring her signature look, which she sported everywhere we went. Uh, It was a light blue eyeshadow above a slick black eyeliner with perfectly coiffed ice blonde hair. On some occasions, although a little bit rarer, We'd stop on the way or visit some other family friend a little bit further away. And that's when the fun began for me. Because I was an avid reader, I got interested in the only book my parents always brought along on our trips, Le Guide Michelin. (laughs) So a travel guide without pictures may not seem of much interest for a child. But despite the motion sickness and its obviously unwanted side effects, I read on when I could on long stretches of autoroute or highway. 
And after a while, I started to share my opinions and read aloud my chosen accommodation options. Of course, I was carefully making the choices of the ones that interested me the most. But with no images and just a couple of lines of copy, you may wonder, how was I making my selection? Well, it's very simple. If the hotel had a pool, it was in. So I waited for the jury at the front of the car to return with the verdict. My little heart beating fast. Will I have a chance to go swimming? The trouble was, I was the only one keen on taking a dip. I learned many years later when my father was in his 80s that despite the fact that he was a sailor, he'd never learned how to swim. He never let on. Somehow my brother and I never noticed. Like the naiads of Greek mythology, you could barely coerce me out of water long enough to have an ice cream. And my mother loved sunbathing. Meanwhile, my younger brother, Guillaume, loved playing in the pool, but had a tendency to turn blue after about a half an hour. My antics didn't interest or seem to amuse anyone in the car. And after playing a license plate game with my brother or other card games on the back seat, I remember once picking up the Guide Michelin and declaring proudly, Moi, un jour, j'aurai une maison, et même si c'est une cabane, eh ben, elle aura une piscine. <laughs> or in English, Well, if I have a house one day, even if it's a shack, it will have a swimming pool. You can tell the house was the lesser important part of the statement. Really, what I was claiming for my future is, I will have a swimming pool one day. Okay, so I don't have one yet, but I love being in water. I love swimming. So you'd be surprised how little I take myself to a pool these days. But then last week I went to Bavaria, um, Germany, for a short stay and a bit of fresh air. And for unknown reasons, I seemed to be the only person interested in spending any time in the water, despite the very idyllic surroundings, from the mountainous landscape to the beautifully manicured verdant lawn that it was set upon. The warm start of September, despite the altitude, made it all the more attractive. So on my first day, with the sun shining, the first thing I did was rush to the warm, heated basin. You should have seen the smile on my face when I entered the water, sliding in thinking, Yay, lucky me. And so I started swimming, admiring the light playing at the bottom of the pool. That's kind of my favorite thing. The sun's rays were creating a sort of a bright, if very thin, technical or some form of an aura around my movements. And I swam another lap. And I remember thinking, how pretty. (laughs) And after many lengths, much more than I regularly swim, it became obvious that something was a bit different. I'd lost track of time. Whether breaststroke or practicing my front crawl, my enjoyment of the experience were greater, more expanded, so much so that getting out of the water felt like a moot point. Like, why do that? By the time I noticed, I started paying attention, being mindful to what was going on with me to the sensations in my body, from the silky feeling of the water sliding around my hands, the extension of my arms along the length of my side body, the undulation of my spine, the synchronized movement of my limbs. 
A whole week later, I finally put words to this experience. Right there, mostly underwater, (laughs) I had found flow, a form of which I don't think I had experienced in a pool, despite my love of swimming. Not that I can think of for many years. Mastery, mindfulness, mattering. Of course, you may wonder what changed and why now? And those would be the right questions to ask. I had changed something, several things actually, small steps, which added to this evolution of my enjoyment. So this summer I decided, well, actually I should say, this summer I decided after 12 months of pondering about it, to reconnect with several activities that I hadn't pursued in a while, a very long while, indeed like 25 years. And I threw in a couple of things I'd never done before, just for extra fun. And so in so doing, I realized that if I were to do these things regularly, I may as well be ready, aka equipped. And knowing myself, I am much more likely to commit, much less likely to give up if I put some skin in the game. So that's how I came to buy myself new swimming goggles, a very attractive silver Speedo swimming cap. It was the least ugly one on the rack, but my head looks a little bit like a silver bullet. And in a very good instinctive move, a pair of swimming earplugs. I did look at flippers for laps, but then I left them maybe for next summer. Now, using the gear didn't feel natural. The goggles were fine because everybody else seems to be wearing them. But putting a swimming cap on when no one else is wearing one felt really weird. Like I was taking myself more seriously or something. (laughs) But I have important reasons to want to use it. Because with my long hair, when they get caught in the elastic of the goggles, it just results in a really painful, annoying moment of me trying to tear the hair off without... I mean, you get the gist. And there's a secondary reason, which is the management of the autoimmune condition that I was diagnosed with a few years ago. And that's a story for another time. So the earplugs were a genius move, or so I discovered a couple of days later when I tried them, no more water in my eardrums after a long swim. So I went beyond the discomfort of looking too serious with my kit and I swam away major aha moment. By removing distractions or frictions, rather, I had created ease in my swimming practice. More ease, less issues, led to increased time spent in the pool and more joy. Ha! (laughs) To top it all off, shortly afterwards, I treated myself to a 30-minute swimming training session. My tall Argentinian coach was perhaps assuming someone asking for a swimming lesson would be a total newbie. So he certainly seemed surprised to find me a rather good swimmer. His support, however, was invaluable. In the space of 15 minutes, he'd picked up on a couple of small things I could do better. He promptly offered me the relevant adjustments, some great tips about spinal movement in both crawl and breaststroke, and it changed everything including making my swimming way more of a cardio than it had been before. So swimming in that beautiful mountain pool, I pondered on the importance of being equipped, of having the right tools, 
and someone to coach us through our blind spots. I certainly wouldn't have figured out the corrections to make. Not unless maybe I'd bought a book on swimming. My friends say the art of swimming is excellent. And while that's great, that wasn't what I was looking for. Maybe that could be the next step to further improve. No, no, I wanted feedback and a bit of guidance. Now I was suitably equipped, faster, more aligned. No wonder I was finding my swimming lap such a different experience and finding flow in this really beloved activity for the first time. The thing that I did find a little surprising when I think back is how did I not notice what I needed before? Why did I not try to find the right resources? If anything, my earlier story about the Guide Michelin showed that when I have resolved, I am incredibly resourceful. So looking back, it's almost like I was setting myself up for mediocre experiences by not seeking how to improve them. Was I just feeling a bit meh about the whole thing? With maybe a touch of self-judgment on the side. Was it indifference? And why, when you consider how much this particular activity brings me joy? Languishing and its counterpart. Shortly after, I got on a group Zoom call with some friends and the overwhelming mood of our group was (laughs) that week was not caring. I swear. The sentiment pervading was one of being very blah or (laughs) everything being meh and overall not caring at all about work stuff. Now that I think about it, it feels very French. (laughs) Before meh became a significant word in English, nod to my friend Lupe, who loves to use the word meh. There was always buff, which is a marker of the French je m'en fous, je m'en foutisme, a form of bored indifference that they also called le spleen. So we explored our feelings together. We talked about our energy, or how to become more energized. We discussed teaching and sharing, the importance of play and purpose and joy and humor. And somehow our chat reminded me of this new talk given by professor and organizational psychologist Adam Grant at TED Monterey earlier this summer. TED has gone hybrid, so I was delighted to attend online and I vividly remember adoring this talk. Um, itself is a follow-up study to the now famous piece he penned for the New York Times this spring, the one that helped us collectively name our current state, languishing. So in the talk, Grant goes over the symptoms of languishing, a term that Emory University sociologist Corey Keyes coined to describe showing up for life but living without purpose or aim. As he went on, languishing isn't unique to 2021. It's part of our human condition and it hides perniciously in plain sight. But as he points out, it's serious. It can disrupt our focus, our motivation, and it's a risk factor for depression because we become indifferent to our own indifference. It took me listening to that talk, I think four or five times, 
to realize how important this particular piece was, we become indifferent to our own indifference. As Grant says, quote, You might not notice when your drive is dwindling or when your delight is going. You are indifferent to your own indifference, which means you don't seek help and you might not even do anything to help yourself. Eh. Je m'en foutisme. Don't care mode. Mm, Covering it up, which I feel we are normally inclined to do, hiding the shame of not feeling that we're thriving or living our best life is something we collectively have to let go of, at least now more than usual in these pandemic times. I know I still feel pressure, and you can um, listen to that piece that I wrote about being truthful, in saying, oh yeah, I'm doing great, when I'm absolutely not. But it is uncomfortable sometimes to name our feelings. So, you know, be kind to yourself. Try to be honest and take it one step at a time. I recognize myself very much in some of Grant's languishing behaviors. I particularly love the one that he aptly named revenge bedtime procrastination. Do you get what I mean? That moment when you realize that you're stuck, like glued on the sofa or whatever it is for you, refusing to get yourself to bed to offer yourself proper rest for no apparent reason, childish and definitely feeling like some kind of revenge on the date that is just ended. And of course, I recognized the massive lack of concentration I had for months, especially when it came to reading. So my ears perked up though when I heard him explain that scientists found that the best predictor of well-being wasn't optimism, it was flow, right? So from languishing to flow. So the famed professor offered his own analysis of how he surprisingly found this flow playing a cartoon car in the Nintendo game Mario Kart. Not unlike how I decided to reconnect with things I used to love doing as a kid, at the start of the pandemic, Grant and his sister reminisced about how they used to love to play Mario Kart when they were growing up. And they started a daily family ritual of playing the game. And he found himself living what he called the Zen and the Art of Mario Kart lifestyle. He experimented as as an organizational psychologist would do, and offered a three-part breakdown of how to find peak flow. Mastery, mindfulness, and mattering. Let's turn to master first. Turns out that in our Western society, we are known to thrive when we can feel that we make incremental progress, but we don't feel so concerned by the work achieved yesterday. So no wonder that we all sought to find some small satisfaction in daily achievements, whether that was baking sourdough, gardening, or for others, (laughs) stacking M&Ms. Thankfully, I decided to attempt progress in something other than my cooking skills, which, by the way, are too good, and my hips don't lie, (laughs) sadly. Um, And indeed, that's what I experienced in my swimming practice. Enhanced, of course, by the tweaks offered by a little coaching and my new gadgets. Quote, if languishing is stagnation, flow involves momentum. 
Thankfully, after having spent so much of my time indoors, my summer resolution was directly linked to external activities, those involving my body first and foremost. I'm already way too comfortable in my cocoon. It was really time to shake things off. And there's great beauty that can be found when moving and exercising our bodies, especially outside. It's an invitation to explore a different sense of self, of our limits, of our presence. I'm incredibly grateful for these moments, especially as someone who has a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. Perhaps that's why I felt so mesmerized by my water antics. I don't take for granted the ability to move my body or to find that it's easy and pain-free. And as I record this, the words fail me to really describe what I felt then, but the joy and those feelings are now etched in my body and, and my mind. I was also mindful, as Grant highlights Now, of course, for me, it's more or less my default setting. But like everyone else, I sometimes find myself locked in what I like to call the mental control tower, forgetting the existence of my body, its needs and its cues. And so what about the final stage? Mattering or meaning. Grant argues that that is what can turn flow into a peak experience, knowing that we make a difference to other people. The time I spent in the pool initially wasn't serving anyone else but myself until I started to think of the story I was going to tell you. Then write about it, talk about it with friends and share it with you today. When we know that what we do matters, when people give feedback to that extent and we find meaningful purpose, we can find flow in projects and activities that benefit our people, whoever they are. My swimming story offers plenty of metaphors, I love them, <laughs> of how we can reach a state of mastery, mindfulness and meaning. And of course, that desired peak state of being in the zone. There's certainly something to be said though about getting better equipped to deal with challenges removing friction, internal or external, and seeking coaching when we feel meh, meh for too long. When flow feels absent from our lives, when things feel stagnant, instead of trying to follow our bliss, as Joseph Campbell offered, perhaps too much of a challenge <laughs> right now, we can follow the joy. Try it, see what happens. However small the sparks, let's not settle for indifference. Hey, friends and listeners, thanks again for joining me today. If you'd like to hear more, go to your favorite podcast app and hit the subscribe button. You can leave a review, a comment, anything that you fancy. We just really love to hear from you. And, you know, feel free to share and send this podcast to a friend. It is by far the best way for this show to reach new people. And I really, really appreciate that. So if you want to connect, get in touch with me at Anvi on Twitter or LinkedIn at underscore out of the clouds on Instagram, where you can also find some guided meditations and 
other daily musings about mindfulness. You can very soon find all about my new project and all new episodes at anvmilitada.com. If you don't know how to spell it, that's fine. It's also in the show notes. Sign up to receive email updates. The site is almost live. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening to Out of the Clouds. I hope you'll join us again next time.